0: Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, special guest Akilah Hughes joins to talk about R. Kelly's Brett Kavanaugh moment. Then Naomi Ekparrigan, Megan Gailey, and Tian Tran join to talk about Women's History Month and the problems with feminism. think we're going to solve it, guys. And finally, as always, the hills will die on. A little bit of housekeeping at the top. First of all, our Nancy Pelosi shirts just got restocked this week, and uh, we have them in sizes small to double XL. So if you are hankering for a Nancy Pelosi shirt, you can go to crooked.com and get yours. Second on the agenda, America's Soulmate Alyssa Mastermonico has a new book called So Here's the Thing. It just came out this week. Buy it, it's great. And we love Alyssa. So good luck to Alyssa and congratulations. Finally, if you want to submit a hale dion, die on, record a 30 second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked dot com. That's hysteria at crooked dot com. Now let's get to the show. Hey, how's it going? That's good. It's good. I'm so sorry about your face. This is not a sentence I normally (laughs) say. I would never normally say this to you,
1: but are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm fine. It's just literally like. This is so dumb and vain, but I'm like, I've never thought about my chin deeply. And now I'm like, my whole face is ruined. Like, I can't leave my house until this goes down. I've called like three doctors. And I'm like, is it just ice? And they're like, you just have to wait. So oh. You know, I'm just like going through the motions of becoming like Quasimodo in my home. Like I'm drawing the curtains. Oh. i like blacking out the mirror.
0: It's like you, a delivery comes and you open the door and you hiss when the light hits you. <laughs>
1: That's exactly what's gonna happen. It's so it's just like it's not even I mean it's a little like sore still but it's mostly just swollen and unattractive which you know cool cool personal brand to have
0: <laughs> swollen and unattractive <laughs> you know when I got my I didn't get my wisdom teeth out until I was 30 because I have a really weird I have a child's mouth I don't know. Um, what, and anyway when I got them out it was like really hard on me because I was 30 when they took them out and I got like I had a ton of bruising and I remember when I was recovering from it being in that exact mindset thinking like I'm hideous I can't I can't leave my
1: house <laughs> and it was like, like it's literally I can't meet anyone new yeah I've met people I've already met before that it's like fine okay they're gonna be like you don't usually look this bad <laughs> But yeah, I it's, don't know. I'm like, like I don't know.
0: People walk around the world with faces that have quirks to them all the time and they're just fine. And I remember exactly. thinking I remember thinking to myself like it is a total like rude awakening to be like, "Oh no." <laughs> but then I was like, I guess if I had this for like if it were going to be forever, I would get used to it. It would take a couple weeks, but I'd be like, "I yeah. am, I'm the girl with the purple cheeks now."
1: <laughs> it's who I a.m. and I'm accepted it.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like it would be a moment of personal Growth. Well, Akila, thank you so much for joining oh. despite your your what, your what your, uh, accident on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's, we can laugh at it because you're laughing at it. I normally wouldn't laugh exactly.
1: at it. Exactly. My eyes slip, <laughs> my, my face catch, as it were.
0: Do you have like an old fashioned toothache thing, you know, like in cartoons when they tie something around somebody's head underneath I their chin? I honestly
1: should do that just so, like, for sympathy purposes.
0: <laughs> I think it'd be, I always thought it was real cute. You should do it. I think it's cute. <laughs> so, we've got a couple news stories that I wanted to get to today. Uh, and we were originally going to talk about something else first, but then I logged onto Twitter this morning and I was like, oh my God, uh, mm-hmm. R. Kelly his first interview uh, since he was arrested and charged with 10 counts of aggravated sexual assault and a few of those people were underage at the time he did his first interview and it aired this morning it uh he was interviewed by gail king on cbs this morning and it was a spectacle akila did you see clips of this interview did you see pictures and stuff
1: Yeah, it's absolutely stunning that there's a person like this who, you know, obviously has all of these horrible accusations and has for decades, right? Not have some sort of PR person tell him not to get up and scream at Gail. (laughs) Like, that's maybe the first thing you say is like, never leave your chair and never yell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whoever yells first loses in an interview. (laughs) In an interview, the person who yells first is the loser for sure, but he Always. he stood up and he got in gail King's face, kind of but it was almost like he wasn't even yelling at Gail. He was yelling at the camera. It's like he was performing yeah. for for the audience, and Gail sat there very stoically and calmly and professionally as this man was just sort of like looming over her and screaming and crying and and uh, responding by saying that he was being lied on. He was saying he was being assassinated. He said he was being buried alive. On na- you know, as he was being given a, a national platform f- to defend himself. Um, yeah. what did you think of Gail's composure during this whole thing?
1: I think that it definitely speaks to like the way black women have always had to perform in public situations. Right. Where, you know, if she had been that emotional for any reason, and I can't imagine why she would have been, (laughs) you know, I I do think that people are addressing R Kelly's performance and that's exactly right. It was a performance for the camera. Um, You know, they're addressing how over the top it was, but I also think that, you know, Gail really showed the kind of stoicism that I in in these times, in these trying times where, like, it's bad news every day, it's honestly refreshing to see an interviewer ask tough questions and not – end up devolving the conversation into you know yelling back at this person who clearly isn't ready to have this conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, in talking about these times, uh, a lot of people were reminded of another recent performance by a man who was crying while accused of sexual assault. When I was watching <laughs> his performance, uh, I, I thought a lot about the Brett Kavanaugh hearings that happened back in September of last year um, about how he, uh, he started his testimony by that I'm innocent of this charge. He, ca- he called the hearing a partisan Frenzy bent on destroying his nomination, his family, and his good name. He called the confirmation process a national disgrace. This is a Supreme Court justice. We're talking not about R. Kelly now. We're talking about a Supreme Court justice. He <laughs> uh, he also said, you know, that that uh, the the National Review ran a piece calling the the hearing a character assassination, as did the Weekly Standard. to conservative outlets. Uh, you know, the the idea that a, that a man being accused of sexual assault is the same thing as being murdered is something that is really interesting here. Did you see parallels between Kavanaugh and R. Kelly? And where do you see those two narratives diverging?
1: I think the similarities are pretty glaring. There's the immediate victimization of the self where it's, you know, I deserve this thing. I should be revered. I've had a 30 year career, uh, (laughs) <laughs> these accusations you know no matter how substantiated and how poorly i can refute them are damaging to me what what i may or may not have done is besides the point it's just so unfair that i even have to answer a question and It's interesting because the critique of women in power and women in politics uh, is always that women are too emotional. And, you know, I I don't think that it's uh, uh, because they both like R&B that these two men had the same sort of performance. I think it's more of a, a culture of never blaming boys. And when they do get blamed for something, they absolutely cannot face any sort of consequence. How dare you? When the Surviving R. Kelly documentary was released, it turned it on Twitter for days. It wasn't the sort of situation where we were sort of hearing about things, but not seeing the people who were affected. And so I do think that specifically with the R. Kelly case, since we have been hearing about allegations against him for truly decades, like it can't be overstated that this is something that has been in the zeitgeist and we've just sort of collectively as a society, we knew that this was a problem. I personally don't listen to Ignition Remix anymore. Yeah, me but either. I think that, you know, the difference here is that we weren't so super unaware of the problem with R. Kelly. It's just that now that this documentary exists and we're hearing and seeing the voices and faces of the victims that, you know, it's all very real and it's all kind of hard to ignore Mm -hmm. because there was just so much information about R. Kelly's, you know, alleged transgressions. I think we... We were, it's easier to sort of turn and not feel like we're going to get anything new. With Brett Kavanaugh, he basically just said he was innocent. And then he had a hearing where he just like yelled and screamed and cried. And it was like an absolute just travesty for democracy, the way that he conducted himself. But also, I think when we talk about these times, right, it's not surprising then that someone like this gets appointed to the Supreme Court. In the case of R. Kelly, you know, the court of public opinion has already made a decision. It's not like the president can just appoint him <laughs> to something. Well, I mean, so I don't don't way.
0: give him any ideas because... <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Literally. he seems like just <laughs> Donald Trump's type, except for the fact that, that he's black and Donald Trump doesn't seem to like black people very
1: much. Exactly. <sighs> like maybe, you know, seeing R. Kelly make a absolute fool of himself on TV, can be a nail in a coffin versus Brett Kavanaugh than getting promoted <laughs> after acting like a buffoon.
0: Yeah, that's true. And like, oh wow, is the new normal a man gets accused of sexual assault and he fights it by throwing a fit and then he wins and everything just it goes that's that's how it happens. Is this yeah. just gonna be a series of male fits that happen forever and I have to sit there and worry about the feelings of somebody who stands credibly accused of sexually assaulting people? Like why is this what I what why is this what we are forced to look at? But I do think <laughs> that one silver lining In this, uh, the R. Kelly interview was. Gail King like we talked about and her composure Uh and so uh, in honor of Women's History Month I would like to uh, make Gail King the inaugural entry on the Hysteria Women's History Month vision board (laughs) (laughs) for her composure her professionalism and her tough questions women who are in situations where they're encountering emotional men uh, can look to because she really showcased her her chops as an interviewer and I, I I was really impressed by her today.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The stunning work from Gail. Congratulations, Gail, getting on the wall.
0: Yes, number number one entry on Hysteria's <laughs> Women's History Month vision board. Uh, and I will be I will be invoking the spirit of Gail whenever I feel myself getting stressed out this month.
1: <laughs> Same.
0: Well, Akilah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope your face
1: gets better. <laughs> thank
0: you. <laughs> you don't mind if I say, I hope your face gets better into a microphone, right?
1: Honestly, I, th- I, I like it. I think that we should always cheer for my face to get better, <laughs> whether it's hurt <heard> or not. <laughs>
0: well, thank you so much for calling in today. Let's do this again. Akila Hughes, talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you then. Bye. We have to take a break, but when we come back, there'll be more Hysteria. <laughs> hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) five stars no comment 100% great that's the type that's my favorite sport the new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit all things that are absolutely essential in a legging
1: essential
2: I love these leggings they are because you know like not everybody's the same you know so Mm -hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty so I size up a little bit, but then it's, t- it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring.
0: Exactly. And I don't show
2: I don't show any crack when I bend over.
0: <laughs> Congratulations.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Yes. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays.
3: I saw that. That is so incredible.
0: He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud. Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I. .com/hysteria not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase but enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns go to fiori.com/hysteria and discover the versatility of fiori clothing
3: horrors that we face every single day. Happy Women's History Month to all. Check out what's in stock at cricketcom slash store for this month only.
0: Welcome back to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. Uh, this week on Personal Political, I have three members of the squad with me. Can't wait to get into what we're going to get into. First, Naomi F. Perrigan, actor, writer, and host of the podcast Couples Therapy. Hello. Hello. Welcome back.
5: Thank you for having me. Good to be home. Good to be
0: home. <laughs> we have this new art in the studio, which is uh, Hysteria-specific art, which I, I feel very welcomed Full today. Story. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then we also have comedian, writer, and driver's license test passer, Megan Gailey. I did it. She did it. It was hard.
2: You did it. I didn't even need all thirty-six questions. I passed on thirty-four.
0: Okay, Megan. (laughs) You know, when I took my driver's test, it was I was it was disturbingly easy. I was when I was taking the written test, I was like, "This is what they're giving people licenses for." (laughs) One of the questions was, "I'm not." I've I've said this on the podcast before. One of the questions was, "When you were backing up, and there are kids at the end of the driveway." What do you do? And, what are the, <laughs> accelerate, and accelerate.
2: one of the accelerate. And one is of
0: an of the, answer. One of, an of, answer. of the answers was honk your horn so the kids know the car is moving. Like <laughs> that's not a bad. Start. Yeah. It's <laughs> just a
2: start, but. Sure. But then there's the... questions about like tractor trailers and how many, how much they weigh and what they. Those are tricky, I think. How oh, much God. they weigh? Or not
0: weigh. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm exaggerating.
0: <laughs> I, didn't, I was told there wouldn't be numbers yeah. on this test. Uh, and finally, welcome back to Tian Tran, actor, writer, and survivor of bangs. Wow. Hello. Mm-hmm. It's been a part of my identity
3: since I was a child. Yeah. So this is a big step for me to see my own form.
0: There don't get bangs. I'm just going to, not you, but anybody, just generally
2: speaking. Oh, I need them. I'm doing it. Ooh,
5: I covered You're doing it. I'm doing it?
2: i
0: the day after my wedding. <gasps> I'm going to get a blunt
2: bang. Because I don't want to be on my deathbed and say I never got a bang. Okay. okay right. it's,
3: it's, a, it's, it's an 18-month commitment. Wow. I, I once had a bad bang haircut, and my sister told me later on that everything I said sounded dumb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so just be, be
0: careful for that. Well, yeah, I'll have an
2: excuse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's get into the the bigger topic this week. Uh, well, March is Women's History Month. Congratulations guys. guys. Congratulations. It's our time. It's this a- is the
5: month to have a dream.
0: Yes, we're going to do it. We actually we actually just started the hysteria women's history month vision board today. So, if there's a woman who inspires you and you want to pause and be like, I want to add this woman to the hysteria women's history month vision board, I don't care. Let it be a free for all. Add whoever <laughs> my god. Add whoever you want. Gail King is number 1 on the women's history month vision board. Just. But because it's women's history month, uh, I've been thinking a lot about the whole idea of like women as a united front which is a something that doesn't really make sense anyway but then i've been thinking about women i tend to agree with as united front which doesn't actually (laughs) exist either and by that i mean feminism i think most people listening to this podcast are feminists call themselves feminists or agree with feminists on a lot of things or you're listening to this because we make you very, very angry,
4: uh,
0: and if that's the case, congratulations for making it this far without having your heart explode in your chest. But feminism is something that seems to be a word that means whatever anybody wants it to mean. So it kind of it kind of means nothing. And and a lot of uh, a lot of criticism of feminism recently has been that it is. Exclusive, or that it leaves people out or that it elevates some at the expense of others. And so I want to get into it. I think we can solve it today.
5: Wow, Yeah, guys, 32 minutes 30? on the clock. <laughs> solve feminism. It's like, this God. is, yeah, th- or this
3: is like the best escape room. We right. can't
0: leave <laughs> yeah. until we solve it. It's Iron Chef, and the ingredient is women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Naomi, the first time you and I talked, you brought this up as something that, it kind of is on your mind a lot, like the divisions within feminism, race, sexual identity, sexuality, gender expression are all things that have alienated people mm-hmm. within the feminist movement. And how how have you seen that happening, Naomi?
5: Well, I guess I feel like when we first talked, what I was very interested in, because it's like, oh my God, if, if I get a white woman alone, I'm getting answers. <laughs> okay. Uh, picking your brain. Um, what it just, it feels to me like the... The branding of feminism, the commodification of feminism is so centered on cis white women. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to me when I felt like my knowledge, like all the academic language around feminism was like that didn't come to much later in life. Like I'm a black woman who grew up with a single mom who worked and (laughs) raised me. So I was like, yeah, women can do stuff. (laughs) And also they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't feel like it was like I am putting on the mantle of womanhood (laughs) to feed my child. It was like this is what has to be done because that's and so that's what I always saw. And that Mm -hmm. was my idea. Like that's baseline, Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't until like later in life where it was like, you know, that like I didn't even get that some women didn't have to think that. Mm -hmm. You know, or like didn't think that, that it was like, to me, it it was a no-brainer. And then to feel like it's like, not only is it not a no-brainer, it is very divisive. (laughs) Some people are not having it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it always seems like whenever it is presented in a way that people like, it is like a white woman Mm who's like, I am standing strong. (laughs) And it is, and and that's the part that can be very, um, that's very frustrating to me. Because then then that kind of determines who whose issues we care about? Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah, like who gets credit right. for what advancements and who gets to actually experience them and who is celebrated for things that uh, that other women don't get to pick. You know, yeah. like I think I think another uh, another way that that manifests is uh, women who choose to stay home with their kids mm-hmm. because their husbands make enough money that they can choose to stay right. home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it's white people who have the money that one can be like, I'm going to opt. To take care of, and you know, good for you if that's your choice. But I think that that's also like a that's kind of a false celebration. And I also think one thing you brought up was really interesting, Naomi. Thank God was about
1: <laughs> like, no, God. just one. The okay, only one, one
0: though. No, that was that was a that was a treasure trove of interesting <laughs> points. It reminded me of something Tian and I have talked about about marketing and the image that people are presented of what feminism looks like. And Tian, you mentioned that you think that marketing kind of It kind of uh, makes feminism into something that's like soft and fun and happy. Yeah, I think it gives like a false sense of achievement and that like things are moving
3: forward in a way that we can all get behind. Now, don't get me wrong. When I saw that Nike Women's History commercial, yeah. I cried. Yeah, I straight up cried, and I was like, "This is beautiful. I love sports, and <laughs> we can win gold medals." And <laughs> and but like you know, something as as like a, a Nike, a company that puts out these like positive, progressive messages as a company as a whole we all know is awful and has like terrible practices and exploits people so like that's where i think the like hypocrisy of commodifying and advertising feminism is like it's just a feel good it just feels like a feel good pat on your back mm-hmm. kind of uh exercise for these companies mm-hmm. now don't get me wrong i think it's like Representation is very important and I think marketing and advertising shapes so much of like how we see the world. Um and so I think it is on some level important to have those images out, but I just wish they were doing more than just like a surface band-aid
5: for women's history. For month. women's mm-hmm. history right. month,
0: you know? Right. Well remember when Dove made us all never hate our bodies again.
5: <laughs> Literally <laughs> the only soap I use. It is the only I'm soap a I use. Dove too. body wash. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs>
0: I mean, if it works, it works. But uh, do you remember when those, ad- those yes. ads yes. came out and they're like, "Everyone is beautiful. Everyone is, you know, whatever." And, and it's the same company that makes Axe body spray.
5: Well, right. <laughs> but then also, don't you think too, especially now, like they, those ads could not start now no. because then people would be like, "You are excluding different types of bodies." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's so yeah. many like that was of a time where even now, you know, the, when that came out, what ten years ago, however, we be like, "I am empowered. She is thick like me." Mm-hmm. And you know, now I feel like we would be in a time where we're like that's still not. Representing all women. Mm-hmm. You know? And that,
0: that brings up a really interesting point. I've been seeing on Twitter, and there was a piece in the New York Times a couple weeks ago about feminism in the UK and how it's uh, sort of riddled with like trans exclusion and how uh, that is like a huge divisive issue over there, which to me felt very alien because here. I, that's not really something that's acceptable within mainstream, like <laughs> women's lib, if you will, if to use a phrase from the nineteen yeah. seventies. <laughs> um, but but anyway, I think I think that like you know, there's di- different parts of the world have different kind of line battle lines drawn, and it's it's really it was interesting to read about how fucked up it seems over there and then I was like oh wait it's also fucked up over here <laughs> yeah. yeah, like uh, with the women's march
3: the the whole I think focusing so much on like anatomy and the pussy hats mm-hmm. in and of itself is already exclusionary because you know a lot of femme identified bodies don't have like th- uh, you know aren't have vagina havers and a right. pussy hat and, a pus- and, and those are pussy hats you yeah. know <laughs> so like I, I think what you're seeing in England is like is happening it's here. It's here too. It's here, too. Yeah. It's yeah. here and it's bad.
2: As I went through our outline for today I was like gosh I didn't even know about a lot of these like I guess quote unquote infighting that's happening under the giant umbrella that is feminism but I think that's because of your point of like I am who feminism is like a I'm the poster child now. It's like an acceptable white gal who curls her hair and puts on a lip and <laughs> and tells my dad when he's wrong, even though he paid for my college, you know? Like, I, am, I am the poster child, and so I don't have to know because I'm like, well, I have my pussy hat, and all of my gal pals are coming over to watch the premiere of New York tonight, and that's what we're doing, but it's like, oh, we are the ones that have to really educate ourselves so we can start to hopefully build a bridge. I mean, yeah. because we get away with the most bullshit.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Women's March, I think, was a really good example of kind of how things are sort of coming apart at the seams. Like, it started, uh, I believe it was a Jewish woman who started it, and then she enlisted the help of a few other women who sort of eventually wrested control of it from her. And then one of those women and said some things about somebody who says real bad things, right. and n- nobody would disavow anybody. It becomes this weird, like World War One, Franz Ferdinand type, like <laughs> complicated allegiances. It's like, wait, now who's at war with who? Yeah. What's going on? And like, I-, I think on a one thing that I've that I've kind of taken from this is that on a even though we presented this like unified front where it's like, okay, we all agree, fuck this guy fuck the president, you know, fuck this guy. We can can all agree on that. But beyond that, I think that there are simmering uh, problems, misunderstanding, uh, there's hurt feelings, there's uh, ignorance, there's all these things that maybe hadn't really been brought to the surface before. I was just wondering, Tian, I just was wondering if, like, you know, as a member of the LGBT community, is there a specific way that you feel like feminism um, has excluded you, or is there a specific encounter that you have over and over again with cis white women that makes you feel crazy? I. <laughs> okay, wow. We well,
3: where do I start? No, I, I. The biggest thing that bothers me is how heteronormative everything is, and how heteronormative like conversations start to become. Where it's like I'll be sitting with a group of women, and it'll be like it'll it'll devolve into like men are like this when like men women are like this, men are like this. And I feel like it forgets like a a group of people that are queer. not that you need to be you know always talking about that. but like, for me, the biggest thing when it comes to straight women <laughs> <laughs> is is one of the questions I get asked a lot used to a lot more is like which one of you is the man? Oh. Um, that was a question I used to get often. The other thing that bothers me is a question like, "It must be so much easier." Mm-hmm. God, it should be. It, it just it should be so much easier to be a lesbian, and it's not. It's mm-hmm. like people are complicated. Being in a relationship is hard. Uh, all people are trash. All people, <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. We're we're all trash. We're all so trash. like, it's all hard. Exactly. It's
5: <laughs> all, it's all hard. Well, I have a question though. Are you like? Do you find that when you are interacting with people who don't know you, do they just assume that you are straight?
3: Yes, that's another thing that happens too, because I don't necessarily present as like what your idea of a lesbian looks like because my hair is long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, i will I will
5: get that a lot as well, but isn't that that's something thats very interesting to me in that because I also notice it myself where I'm like, oh, I. I don't think about anyone's sexuality because I'm like repressed and would like to think we're all like Ken dolls down there. Um <laughs> But it is interesting how like, you can just meet somebody and just like assume where you're like, I just assume you like the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Even in 2019 where yeah. we now like know that there's like a spectrum and there are like, you know, the, the range of letters yeah. and stuff and yet yeah, we'll still assume that. That's really, I don't know, I was like, how does that Still happen. I should be better. You know, that idea. Mm-hmm. I was
3: I was I think I was talking to you two about it. One of the, my biggest pet peeves is when grown ups uh couple mm-hmm. young children. Oh, grotesque. But it's always like <laughs> opposite sex children. I just I want Open it up, you know? <laughs> Open it up to all kids, like little, two little girls. Just be like, oh my god, what a cute lesbian couple.
4: <laughs>
2: just let them live. I had such a hard time when I first moved to New York, because every man I met, I was like, well, he's gay. Every single man I met, I thought was gay. And then I was like, oh, I came from the Midwest, where if you like showed empathy in any way, you were gay. And now I'm just living in a different like culture Yeah. Uh, that men feel perhaps, and sometimes not, more in touch with like, Sensitivity and stuff, mm. and like they dress differently, and like just because someone like presents a certain way and isn't trying to fuck me doesn't mean they're ga- they're gay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? That's a that was actually I went through that journey when I went to New York yeah. too. I was like, wow, this is a very uh, where are all the straight? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
5: well, they're, they're, they're right behind you. They're,
0: they're, everywhere. they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're they're tweeting about Beyonce just like you, <laughs> Naomi. Same question that I asked. Tian, like what's an encounter that you've had over and over again that you're like this drives me nuts and this is a problem
5: well one of the things I have to like deal with or I have to learn to I had to very early on learn how other people saw me I think that that idea is Mm -hmm. like I think that is like also distinctly to me like um other situation like, when you have to think about how people see you as opposed to just what you think of yourself. Um, And for me, like, people assume I am always angry Mm. when I can tell you eight times out of ten I'm tired. (laughs) There's this this implication that, like, you know, as a black woman, especially, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a small woman either, so there's no, like, wallflower delicate to Mm -hmm. me. Like, that's not how I present. I will be auditioning to be your Stern teacher every day this week. But, (laughs) like, but that feeling of, like, constantly recognizing they're like, any negative emotion I have, I have to either uh, deny it or put some spin on it. I think it's definitely one of the reasons why I got into comedy. It was like mm-hmm. the only way I could say stuff and have people listen without anyone getting angry. But like, and it just it's, it can just be so um, tough to, you know, the sense which I had to be like, hi, um, hi, so I have a question. Hi, Um, you know, you're really coming in hot like upper register statements as a question. You don't want anyone to get too upset because it's so often for me, it'll be like, relax. You don't need to worry about it. And like, I don't know about y'all, but nothing makes me angrier than being told to relax. Mm -hmm. Like it always just like ratchets it up. Like if I was, if I wasn't mad before, I am mad now. Mm -hmm. But it's like a thing where, and I realize like a lot of that is, you know, the trope of the angry black woman. Like, the all of that kind of stuff feeds into, like, someone sees me, and if my eyes look a little to the left, I've now escalated a situation that, you know, wasn't supposed to be anything in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even yesterday, I was getting, um, I was ordering food, and it was like, there were two two young white guys in front of me. I'm standing back, and it kind of, like, made a little bit, because, you know, the restaurant was, like, busy, so I'm kind of, I have moved back to make a path for the servers to do their thing, and this other young white guy comes and just gets in front of me. So I go, "Oh, uh, I was like, hey, I'm I'm behind him." And he's like, "Yeah, okay, I get it." Oh. Uh... And I was like, "Okay. Well, that was that situation. <laughs> like real real fucking minor. Like and it wasn't even like I was mad as much as I've made a path and perhaps he doesn't realize that. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to let him know." Mm-hmm. But it was so. It was he was already like I was already like bothering him.
0: Yeah, he was prepared. He was prepared for you to be angry. Like he had already yeah. read anger into a situation where there wasn't anger. You were just yeah. pointing something out. Yeah. Does that happen to you a lot? Yeah, all the time.
5: Yeah. So that's... I just take so much time explaining it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's all the time every day. Do you feel like people are almost like confused or like, huh? That's a that's a new take on an
5: old classic. That you <laughs> that you
2: are with a white man.
5: Um, it's, I think it, I think it can. I think it, I think some people can. I think it's more that like, you know, having taken my white lover, um, nine years ago, uh, <laughs> people still don't think we're a couple yeah. so many times, you know, that we are out and together and that, that assumption, or there'll be times where I'll have him go interact with somebody in like a service or even like on the phone where I'm like, will you do this? Mm-hmm. Cause like, I know they'll listen to you. Mm-hmm. And he's not even, he's not even a, an imposing figure. He's yeah, very, he's not like a aggro. No, no in he's any not to girl and yet simply that like you know the caucasity of hope, you know? Um, <laughs> and that, and what that um can afford even even now. It's it's still crazy.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, that I was also thinking as you were talking about the different ways, you know, people treat you differently depending on how they expect you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also sort of people that just don't even there's a there's a class of people that I think the mainstream just ignores, just pretends doesn't exist. So there's people that are visible, like you're visible in line and they're like, she's mad at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um And then there are people who are right in front of our faces all the time, every day, women, mostly women of color, mostly poor Mm -hmm. women of color who just become invisible, Mm -hmm. who nobody thinks about. And I think that that's something that we saw with like the R. Kelly case, for example, which we talked about in news today. Uh, The women that he was victimizing were young Mm -hmm. black women Mm -hmm. who nobody really gave a shit about until this uh, Surviving R. Kelly documentary came out. There was also a a huge um, prostitution bust in Florida Mm -hmm. where uh, Asian women and women from Eastern Europe, uh, but mostly women from China and and Thailand, were being uh, trafficked into massage parlors and forced Mm -hmm. to perform sexual servitude for mostly wealthy men, like the owner of the New England Patriots. Ugh. You know, and there's 300 men, I believe, who've been arrested already. And in this New York Times article about this prostitution sting, they were talking to some lawyers who were like, yeah, all these men are calling me and they're panicked. Like, <laughs> again, they're so they're so concerned about themselves, not about the fact that they were utilizing the services yeah. of sex right. slaves. Right. They were more concerned about their feelings. And I think a lot about the way that feminism writ large has abandoned Invisible women, and I just was wondering, you know, what your experiences have been. Like, is there any way to responsibly consume or go about society? And like, (laughs) I mean, seriously, like, women who are undocumented who are working as as domestic workers who are being paid entirely in cash have no protection. Women who are, you know, had their passports seized when they came to work in a nail salon. You know, women who work in massage parlors. Like, how has has the knowledge that these people exist and that they're being exploited? Has that changed your behavior at all?
2: I mean, there was a famous New York Times article a few years ago that talked about how poorly um, women who worked in nail salons Mm -hmm. were paid. Mm -hmm. And then it did seem, you know, I was living in New York at the time where places had to start posting like we pay uh, workers this wage and and like I, I made a conscious effort to try and go to the or to go to the places that were like, hey, we're not paying them as like slaves basically, right. and it's interesting because I think women have the ability to do that to try and do that, whereas men who are getting a hand job are going to be less inclined to be like, well, I want to make sure this woman is being paid fairly for this hand job. <laughs> right. Like, I, it, it's. I don't know how they're going to like fix this catastrophic problem that there is. I mean, I've been to the past two Super Bowls, and when you land in those cities, you are bombarded with yeah. you like all the flight attendants. Everyone working at every airport is being trained to identify sex workers, and people that are there against their will, and that is, like, all you are seeing. You're seeing, like, a football here and there, and then, like, how <laughs> to help women who are clearly being trafficked, and it, it's so heartbreaking, but unfortunately, the people that are utilizing those services, I don't think have any desire yeah. to, like, think beyond the surface that they're getting.
5: Well, because that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the tricky thing is, like, well, how... I mean, when you ask, you know, how, how are we living differently? I mean, I would hope that I have not been paying for a woman to be abused or mistreated the twice a year that I get my nails did, because I'm like, not in that. But at the same time, but like when you say something like a domestic worker, and again, I've never, I, I don't know the ins and outs. I've never had like a maid or lived in a house that had one. I don't know what that is. But I would imagine that if you can afford that person, you can afford if that person is undocumented, right like if, yeah. if if you know and they have come to you and you know that you can afford to help them meet a lawyer mm-hmm. you can afford to you know help them file some paperwork if you have enough money to pay for full time help or somebody to come in you got you got the money to make an hour legal appointment for that person yeah. right i would I would hope I would think, but again, I don't you know know the ins and outs, but it's you know the extent to which uh so uh, American culture, American culture kind of thrives on getting as much as you can for as little as yeah. possible. Mm-hmm. I think it would be so hard for anybody to then, you know, do what would need to be done, meaning spend more, do more mm-hmm. to help the next person.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know? Yeah, I'm connected to that. It's so... I I, I always find it very upsetting, the argument when it comes to, like, immigration and undocumented folks, that, like, even thoughtful, who I think are thoughtful liberal people, will say things like, well, they'll be doing the jobs that you don't want to do. And I'm like, that's not good enough. These are, like, people who should be treated as, like, well as we want to be treated here in the States. So I've always always hated that argument of, like, yeah, well, why are you upset? They'll do the things we hate.
5: Well, it's also like we, the thing is we also, we hate them because no one is paying them a living wage yeah. to do them because yeah. there are plenty of people in this country, you know, who don't have education, who don't have access or even just young people. Like when you were 15 and had to have like a job, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you, you could go do some dishes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even at that age, you're like, oh no, that's not yeah. enough money to make to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: I, know, I was a, a nanny in New York City in a very affluent area and Every other nanny was a woman of color. And so I would take the baby to like the playground and they were like so you don't work? <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no, I'm a nanny." And they truly were like like two of them were like, "Oh, cool, you're like us." And then the rest were like, "Fuck you. Why are you <laughs> taking this like where is your dad? Like, wha- <laughs> And then they were like, are you in school? And I'm like, no. And they're like, are you an actress? And I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> I'm just here. Well, Listen, I'm a comedian. I made some bad choices. <laughs> and it was like baffling to them. And I, and it was almost like I was taking that shitty job from, yeah. from somebody.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point too is like the idea of like who's taking care of kids. And there's like mm-hmm. a, you know, it's, People who provide childcare also often have their own children, and so what one thing that enables wealthy women to go out and have it all is the paid service of a woman in a lower economic Mm -hmm. rung. And that's like that's I think Naomi, you were sort of getting at like visible, celebrated rah-rah you go, girl feminists. A lot of times have help that are like women of color who are they're not paying
2: yeah
5: yeah i remember like being very young like because i you know i started private school in manhattan talking about affluent early and i remember coming home at the age of 10 and asking my mother i was like i don't understand racism because if black people are so bad why do white people let them raise their children yeah that was something that like from the age of ten just like popped out to me it's like how can we be less than you and you letting us take care of your mm-hmm. kids yeah. it, it it didn't work and, then, it, and yeah. then people would come back from their like their like island trip and I'd be like they have braids like me now mm-hmm. then why am I ugly mm-hmm. like it, you know, all these different layers to which like, you're willing to like kind of take um avail yourself of people and on offer but then at the same time those people are somehow less than you
0: mm-hmm. it's yeah it's very, very confusing well you see a lot of like what like mainstream culture take tropes from people of color and then repackage it? You know the Elvisification of everything, Ariana Grandeing. Yeah, <laughs> right. They repackage it, and there's when people of color are doing it, it's ignored or it's it's looked. Past, or it's even sometimes looked at as lesser, and then when white people do it, especially like white women, it's like, Yeah, yes, queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I said that in the whitest way possible. And I loved it. I yeah, loved it. That's that the only good. way it should be said. That's yes, the only way it should be. Yes,
5: queen. Yes, affirmative <laughs> royalty.
0: Uh, but that's just something I, I don't know. I think it's just a, the, the whole question of like what is feminism is something that more than anything. Feminism is not about everyone feeling good about themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a white girl, and I have spent a lot of my life feeling pretty good about myself. Like <laughs> I can afford, I can afford to be made to think. Most people who are in positions of privilege, whether that's economic privilege or visibility, whatever, most of them have have the extra energy to think a little bit about what they're doing and how they're living their lives. I think. Uh, and when it comes to feminism, it's it's going to be. It feels like it needs to be an ongoing conversation where people get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people feel confronted sometimes. And that sucks. It sucks to feel like someone is like, you know what? I hate it when people like you say shit like you just said to me. <laughs> that's that's uncomfortable, but that's the only way you get better. Like if you had food in your teeth, wouldn't you want someone to tell you? <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. true. When you like get to the mirror and you find out you have food, you're like, I can't trust that bitch. <laughs> Let me walk these streets like this. Like, I want a
2: friend to tell me. I don't want a stranger to tell
3: me. Oh, you don't. Oh, you do. See, oh, you do. oh, I have. I'm thankful for strangers who tell me things that are like food is on my face. That you're like. I do it to people.
2: I can, I don't know. Because
3: that. what if they walk? Truly, if they like walked away and they were like. Oh my god, I just talked to her for 15 minutes and she like I had spinach on my nose, you know? Well, spinach on your nose. <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> Worst case scenario, spinach on your nose. <laughs> well, I think guys, I think we solved it. Woo. Wow. wow. We, did it, we did it. I think we solved feminism. No, I think that this is a conversation that we're going to bring it up again and there's going to be issues that come up again because this is a conversation that ever since I've been aware of feminism existing has been happening over and over again. And I think the only way we make progress is to just kind of lean in, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, lean oh my God. In. Lean like, in. like, like number one feminist of all time, Cheryl Sandberg once said,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> lean in. all right, we have to take a break. But when we come back, the hills we will die on.
4: Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts.
6: It's 2024. We're facing another presidential election with huge stakes. You want to help, you don't know where your money will actually make a difference or how to figure that out. Ensure you love to take an edible and not think about it, but you can't because you do care. Let Vote Save America make it easy for you with their new anxiety relief program. Here's how it works. You set up a monthly recurring donation at the level that feels right for you, and Vote Save America will send 100% of it to the grassroots organizations and down-ballot races that need it most. Then, at the end of the month, they'll tell you where your dollars went. That's it. Set it and forget it. Vote Save America has already raised $52,000 in monthly recurring donations. Love it. That's great from over 1,000 amazing sustaining donors who've signed up and trusted Vote Save America to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go, and Vote Save America needs your help to get there. Sign up at votesaveamerica.com and enjoy your edible (laughs) legal disclaimer. Paid for by Vote Save America, votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee.
1: The Crooked Store's latest collection has a clear message for anyone trying to take away abortion rights don't. The No Trespassing collection features four different designs, each inspired by a different state where abortion is under attack. There's stay out of my swamp for Florida, stay out of my hole for Arizona, stay out of my prickly pear for Texas, and stay out of my strip for Nevada. But obviously, I'll be wearing these no matter where I am. A portion of proceeds from the collection will go to Vote Save America's f Bands, the Fight Back Fund, which currently is supporting abortion rights organizations across Arizona, Nevada, and Florida. Head to cricket.com store to shop
0: all right we're back with the hills will die on let's start with the listener hill this week hey ladies, i have a hill to die on the chill girl gets
2: too much credit she's usually seen as this like relaxed cool girl like guys
3: girl but she's not always getting stuff done i i am not chill and i never have been and i never will be to get my shit done society needs Anxious little maniacs like me, right now, (laughs) crossing everybody's teeth. And that's okay. So -hmm. I just want to give a shout out to the non chill girls and say it's okay that you're not chill and society needs you
2: and keep on doing you. That's true.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hard agree. Hard agree. Hard agree. I think that chillness a lot of times is just boring it's just being yeah. it's like a, it's like externally
5: boring yeah too cool for like yeah. opinions or feelings but i I'm think
3: like, it's also a blanket for intense anxiety that that person is <laughs> truly feeling or just
0: like a numbness yes like a numbness built up built up over decades <laughs> or pot
2: I yeah think i was some, gonna oh, say hi oh I think yeah I,
0: like what?
5: I don't know but i know what like sport girls girls who grew up uh-huh. playing sports and stuff they're like cool they're chill girls, you know? They're just like it's like nothing yeah. matters. Sometimes it's a poker face like, though. Weird. I've
0: been accused of being chill before, which is not true. <laughs> it is it is constantly like six tornadoes going on up here. <laughs> but I just hold it all in with a corset of anxiety. <laughs> that's that's my chillness. All right. Well let's get to the, the hills will die in. I'll start this week. <clears throat> the the show The Bachelor mm-hmm. is reaching its conclusion. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a former fan of The Bachelor. I used to watch every season. Uh, My friend Emily and I back in New York used to get together and watch it like it was a sporting event. (laughs) And I realized before this season even started, I had to tap out because I finally came to terms with the fact that The Bachelor is never Good. It's never good. The first couple episodes are interesting because they all they have that kind of like, you know, parade of lunacy that the (laughs) that the producers obviously fed these poor women who are like, I'm gonna you know go to David's Bridal and go nuts, and then I'm gonna take them all to California and I'm gonna pretend to fall in love with a wannabe actor. That's whatever, but. After those episodes, once the last crazy one has gone home, it's just boring. It's like <laughs> watching the most basic people that you went to high school with f- like fall in love. Have you ever been out at a restaurant and you're sitting next to people who are just very... Boring looking. And they're not talking to each other. And you wonder, what do they talk about? What do they do? That's what The Bachelor is. It just shows you what the most boring people in the world talk Mm -hmm. about and do, which is talk about themselves and talk about their relationship. And it is not good and it's never been good. Bachelor in Paradise, however, is great. (laughs) I don't watch it because I think it's
2: good, though. I watch it because I think it's bad.
0: Okay, but
2: that's mm. the thing. I have like two hours or three hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you gotta record and fast forward. <laughs> yeah. This last, I mean, I don't watch any of the dates. I don't care. I watched <laughs> the people fighting, and then I watched crying.
0: Yeah, I mean a guy. A guy did jump over a fence. Yeah. this year, which was a highlight. This wow. happened on Monday. It, a guy jumped over a fence, uh, and it was it was a big deal. But my question is, it is it worth the nineteen hours you spend watching no. the season? It's not. I no. will
2: say the thing that I don't like about it now is that these people are not rich. When it first started, <laughs> The Bachelor was rich, and then he or like he was like a Firestone, which you know it didn't end well. But he, they had like money, and now I'm just watching. people people that are poor fall in love. Uh, and
0: I don't care about that. Yeah, and it's also like women who yeah. are 25 who are like, I, yeah. just, I just think this is my last chance. And oh. it's like, bitch, you've got I, 10 years of a lot of crazy shit happening to you if you only lean into it and embrace <laughs> it. Seriously, you can have, the 10 years between 25 and 35, best yeah. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I want them to branch
2: off and do like a 35 and above, because mm-hmm. those people yes. are like, I need to find love. Yeah. You know, like that's really, I want to watch that show. Yes. And then and the 25-year-olds, yeah. it's like I don't care about you or your religious mom. I just am <laughs> not. No, no that's thank you, my no. that's my least
3: favorite straight people embarrassing themselves on TV show. God, <laughs> mine, that's a lot of TV. Mine is 90 Day Fiance. If I'm gonna uh, watch straight people be crazy, oh, I watch that. 90 watch that Day Fiance.
2: Oh, one. Ooh, gosh, I'll go next because yeah. I do have a TV recommendation. <laughs> okay, do it. Um, now I'm gonna say this, and you're gonna you're gonna go no you need to hear me out because I am not going to lead you astray. American Idol is back and it is so good. Like, here's the difference. You're thinking Fox. You're thinking American Idol on Fox. American Idol on ABC, very, very different. Fox was like, she bangs, you know, trying to embarrass people. ABC is like trying to make you cry. I sobbed so intensely on Sunday night, like truly like a family member had died at the last 5 minutes of it it's feel good this next episode a blind woman is singing oh. lionel richie is crying it's really incredible um you have to watch it high i'm not suggesting <laughs> <laughs> i'm not suggesting watching it not high but like find a loved one also you can fast forward <laughs> But it really is good. There are phenomenal singers on it. The stories are incredible. And I just think ABC has produced it in a way that will touch your heart in a time when you might need it.
0: OK. I'll give it a oh. shot. You're se- you're really selling it. Although I don't really like find that I need to cry any more than I already do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'm sitting there like, God, my face feels plugged up. Like, what's going <laughs> to express my tear ducts? But I'll I'll give it a try, Megan. Oh, it's good.
3: <laughs> okay. All right, Tian. Um, The hill that I'm gonna die on is can can we stop with the Bachelorette activities where we have to do a workout class together? <laughs> <laughs> this
6: um,
3: is all dancing, please. Like, oh, why no. did you? Why are we waking up early and doing aerial yoga? Yeah. Oh. I had to do that once, and I was like, <laughs> this is. I'm not strong enough. I can't do it. I'm hurting myself and giving myself like fabric burns because I'm not doing it properly. (laughs) And no one's having fun. I don't know why why? Why are we celebrating your marriage by like getting our heart rate up? As a
2: group. At least If you want to go to Soul Cycle because you're gonna be drinking a lot Uh, that night, go
5: to Soul Cycle. Is that why people do that? Good by yourself. No, not just no. So,
2: some like. Some people, yes. Okay. Some people are doing, yes, pole dancing classes together, which is actually like really fucking hard. Um, yeah. Because it's a lot of upper body strength, which is like what well, I don't excel at. <laughs> but they're doing, that's like a group thing. No, 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 no. No, like, it, don't. It's just like, I want to work out because I'm getting married and yeah. I want my arms to look toned. You got to go and do that but on your own. But don't make it part of the weekend.
3: Like, Hell don't no. print me out a matching t-shirt. I also hate that. Sorry, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: don't make me work out. Sorry. All right, I think that's a fair hill to die on. I'm gonna just avoid making anybody mad by never getting (laughs) married.
5: (laughs) All right, Naomi, Los Angeles is not habitable land, okay? And I need us to stop pretending this is some beautiful magical place. It has rained nonstop for about three months now. I'm from the East Coast. I'm not weak. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that like it's like. I mean, God, rain is hard. What I'm telling you is this. Los Angeles cannot handle rain. Mm -mm. I'm going to tell you this. I can't poop in my toilet at home. That's where I'm at right now because (laughs) I'm on the ground floor. And due to this constant Uh. rain and Los Angeles having a lack of drainage. Okay. Every street's a puddle, y'all. Everything is flooded. It is not made. Okay. And as producer Caroline pointed out, Los Angeles has been around a few years. Okay. (laughs) So they should have gotten to the bottom of this. Okay. They needed to drain some shit into the ocean. You got to do something. So I can poop in my own toilet. So poop is in the streets? It's not in the streets. It's just like not going all the yeah. way out. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like it's not going all the way didn't out. Even think and about it's that. Like, and it's, you know, and this is not every single day, but if this rain goes, you know, when if it's a hard rain for like two days in a row, just expect rising sea levels in my bathroom. It's also not why we moved here. No. We moved here for Thank sunshine you. and sushi. It's literally LA's only selling point yeah. is the sun. Yeah. And so you take that sun away and you realize you got nothing. No, yeah. we're in Detroit. Yeah. This place <laughs> truly. This
0: place sucks when it's not sunny. I, my parents were in town this weekend. They came from Minneapolis <laughs> and they were both like, oh, my stars like Robinson Caruso, like stumbling. <laughs> <laughs> onto a, oh the sun and it just rained and so we made an executive decision to go to Palm Springs because they needed to like s- see, the sun. see that the sun existed but you know without when the sun's not out you're like this place sucks this place yeah.
3: sucks but when, it, yeah. but when it doesn't rain it doesn't wash away all the bad stench there's stench Oh here? my, L.A. smells. Does anyone not, do we all think L.A. smells? That's where you're
0: staying. Oh. <laughs> L.A. smells bad. No. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have today. Megan, Tian, and Naomi, thank you for joining us. Akilah Hughes, thank you for calling in with the news, and there will be more hysteria this next
3: week. So Annie, get your gun. Oh. Give them-